Full Circle is a podcast with stories from and about the communities of BIPOC, Black, Indigenous, and people of color who live, work, and play on the unsurrendered territories of the Lekwungen and Wissanik peoples. This land, now referred to as Victoria, British Columbia. In 2020, a study titled Inclusion in the Recording Studio by the University of Southern California looked at the Hot 100 year-end billboard charts and the 2020 Grammy nominations to see how well women were represented. The 2020 version compared data collected since 2012 and concluded that women are still missing in the music industry. Women represent less than one-third of all performers and only 12.5% of songwriters. Women account for only 2.6% of the producers and women of color as producers are basically invisible, with only eight out of 1,093 producing credits going to women of color, which is a representation of less than 1%. For categories at the Grammys, like Producer of the Year, only one woman has been nominated in the past eight years. For Record or Album of the Year, less than 10% of the nominees are women. Canada's music industry has also had its issues. In 2016, the Juno Awards were dominated by male nominations. In response to this, Women in Music Canada and the Facebook group Toronto Women in Music teamed up with Tegan and Sarah to put out a call to action outlining the steps to address the lack of representation of women in the music industry. Their goal was to build a database of self-identified women, transgender and non-binary individuals active in the Canadian music industry. Today's podcast features the voices of femme BIPOC artists from across Canada who are creating music in the hip-hop industry. Mama Rugal kicks off the conversation explaining how she got involved with hip-hop music. Um, hi, my name is Mama Rudgal, MTHC. I am the founder of Rude Gang Entertainment, which is an Afro-Indigenous hip-hop and multimedia group that's based in so-called Vancouver, BC. Um, I created that um, group right now, for lack of a better descriptor, um, with my partner, Hope. Um, and yeah, originally I am from Calgary, Alberta as well, Treaty 7 territory. My background is West Indian from St. Lucia, um, Blackfoot from Sixaga Nation, and a little bit of Celtic as well. Um, yeah, I've been making music for a very long time. Uh, it wasn't until 2012 that I kind of learned how to write my own songs. Um, but up until that point, I was doing a lot of performing however I possibly could. I really like performing. Performing um, is a huge thing for me. And hip-hop culture has always been a huge thing for me. So doing hip-hop dance was actually my first love and my kind of segue into the greater world of hip-hop culture. Hi, my name is Pega. Um, I started first writing... Uh, music and particularly rap I think the first one I remember I ever wrote was when I was 11 years old I was always really into just like music and listening to music and I think having an older brother that was also like into music and more so listen like listening to music and rap and hip-hop and so I guess just being around it and then actually it was one of my really good friends really good childhood friends we would always um, go on top of the monkey bars and just freestyle when we were like uh, 10, 11. Um, so it's just like the, I don't know, the exposure to it and just seeing that this is something that you can do and just doing it, not really much hesitation, I guess. T. Fanny, who's a hip hop artist based in Calgary, Alberta, joins the conversation and shares what inspired her to start creating rap music. So it started out with poetry, like like same old story with everybody, ew. So it started out with poetry, but um, hip-hop for me was such an outlet. Like I got introduced to, to, to hip-hop when I was like 15 or 16, and my first intro was Nas Illmatic. And so everything from there had to be like that caliber or higher, and I just was like, I would watch my big brother K-Riz on stage from like 16, and I'm just like, 
oh, like I, I just, I want to do what they're doing. I want to do what they're doing. But my stage fright is like, nah, T, <laughs> you just sit your ass down. So I just waited. And then um, it, 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 it had to be hip hop at first for me. Cause Nikki was so powerful. I'm not going to lie. Like 0708 Nikki. I wanted to be that. I wanted to be Nikki. Like I wanted to be that female that's like spitting hard and I can say whatever I want in hip hop. I can get away with the attitude, the sexuality. I could do whatever I want. Like hip hop is just always, it's, it's, it's confidence. It's whatever you want to do, but confident. Some people refer to rap as music therapy. There's a lot of healing power when you write rhymes and can vocally express yourself. Mama Rudgal and Pega talk about the empowerment that they feel from creating rap music. Yeah, I really love hip hop. I love, I've always loved hip hop very, very much. And it's always been a huge part of my life. And again, it was really accessible. There was websites to get free instrumentals. So it, I didn't need to rely on somebody else. I didn't need to learn a new skill. I could just like find the thing and do the thing. And that's kind of what my main objective was. Um, and when I started making hip hop too, it was around the time that I realized that there was a lot of problems going on in my community um, on the reserve and with a lot of my friends who are also indigenous or from other marginalized communities and kind of realizing that a lot of youth from marginalized communities gravitate towards hip hop and really take the messaging and the music to heart in a way that help kind of it it forms their like identity and that what they do and what they say and they don't give credit to the song to the artist for how they are and the things that they do and the things that they want to do you know they decide they want to go drinking on friday or they want to try some molly they think that that's their own idea you know i just decided i want to try it no, you didn't. You heard it in a song two weeks ago, and now you've thought about it for two weeks because you heard it in that song, and now it's become this idea that is your own idea, but is it really? Um, and so I thought, well, can't hip-hop be used, can't I invert that logic and perhaps some of the stuff that's going on in our communities and some of the attitudes that exist in our communities um, or other communities who also consume hip-hop how can we affect in a positive way um, rather than a negative way? So seeing how, how hip hop was kind of having these negative influences or how youth were kind of absorbing it and, and, and causing them to, I don't know. I don't want to say that hip hop has negative influences, but I feel like all, all popular genres of music do have negative influences. Um, not just hip hop. Um, but in this case, I really was identifying how, influential anyway the lyrics have been and how it tends to gravitate towards party lifestyle and things that are tend to be maybe more destructive and not healthy for youth to indulge heavily in um and so yeah so for me it was really like how can i challenge now like rape culture and how can i challenge youth to explore you know their greater truths and and do that without sounding preachy do that without sounding like i'm like making like some type of I don't want to sound like I'm trying to say this stuff. So how can I, how can I disarm them um, and deliver this message to them and then present it in a way that eventually they go, Hey, you know what? I think, I think I don't, I think that maybe using the word bitch to describe women is a stupid idea. You know what? I'm starting to feel like it sounds, it just feels stupid. I'm not, I just don't want to do it anymore. You know what I mean? Like I, I just, I, I'm trying to, kind of do that with hip-hop because I feel like that that's the power of hip-hop and it just hasn't been harnessed all the way and and when it has been attempts have been made to harness hip-hop in these positive ways it's always comes off like super cheesy and people don't want to get involved with it and I totally am with that because I really like like I love me some schoolboy Q and I like some some grimy stuff and some like you know what I mean and people want that raw hip-hop stuff to be there it has to still be there so I feel like that I have an opportunity to kind of consolidate those two things because of where I come from but also because of the um, social justice outlooks that I, I wish to to share when the opportunity arises for someone that has any sort of struggle pain 
um, challenge with expressing themselves in any way, whether it's just their own, their own, like if it's like a physical challenge or like a emotional challenge or whatever challenge they may have to express themselves. I feel like when they are hearing their voice and it on the headphones and with the mic, even on a beat, it just gives them energy and it, it feels like they're able to. And I think hip hop itself started that way, right? Like expressing pain and, and sorrow and, and making it more powerful rather than like, like a weakness, they became a strength because then with that expression, it empowered others and then people didn't feel alone. And then, so it's a very twofold, like has two, like a twofold purpose. Like it empowers the individual, but then the listener also feels like they can relate and then they then feel better um, or, or at least they feel seen in some way. So it's, I think it's definitely a tool for that. It's just, it's so great. <laughs> Rap music has often been associated with negative connotations. Mama Root Gal and Pega discuss the judgments that they feel like people have towards rap music. I feel like people are more apprehensive to accept um, rap until they've really thoroughly vetted it. And I feel like that's kind of goes in hand in hand with that whole outlook of the rock versus hip hop thing. It's just like people don't take it as seriously because it just seems like if to, from the outside looking into it just seems like anybody can do it. And there's, there's been a lot of really foolish looking acts that maybe were Hollywood plants too, that made hip hop look really redonkulous in the nineties and early two thousands. And that didn't help either. Like, a, you know, a lot of Millie Vanilli stuff going on and that's not our fault, but that happened. And, you know, I think we still get punished for it sometimes, but it's, it, we're moving, we're slowly moving past that. And, there's like prejudice towards like rap and hip hop in our society. Like, especially if someone's not uh, like a listener of it, like it just comes across as like, Oh, like rap. Oh, I don't listen to that. Oh, that's bad. Or like, there's some like connotations. If you're, if you're unknown or unfamiliar, Um, even growing up, I remember feeling so like, you know, again, there's so many little memories in like elementary and high school. Cause I was just always really into rap. And then people would be like, rap sucks like rock is good or pop is good or vice I don't know there's all these like things that people would say and I would always I was always be like no like it's not bad (laughs) and it was just so hard to explain that but yeah I feel like there's like a yeah like stereotype or something around hip-hop that if people aren't familiar with it they think it's something even toxic and or or harmful or um certain things like maybe maybe the representation that like certain like rappers have given like with violence and misogyny which is true like they haven't done a very good job at making it a peaceful empowering thing um in the mainstream at least but um i think that prevents people from going to its essence There are many faucets to the music industry, and Mama Rudgal explains her experiences learning about the various roles that people play and who is gatekeeping the opportunities to succeed in the music industry. A lot of the gatekeepers in the grander music industry world um, in every aspect, which I feel like a lot of people don't understand what aspects are there are and how many there are, but there are so many corners of this industry. Like there's the PR people. Those are different. These are all rooms. Like imagine being in a boarding room with people. There's the PR people. And then you got the agents and you got, you know, you got video people and you got recording people and you got all different types of people that you have to be around and and communicate with and the majority of the all through those many layers majority of those people are are you know eurocentric cisgendered hetero male and at a certain point when you start to look at the grander scheme of things you start to realize that as a triple minority um, as somebody who is, you know, black and indigenous, who's a woman, who's queer, who's who was a teen mom, um, you know, you know, people think my daughter is my sister because she's ten and I'm I'm just turning thirty, so and I'm kind of short, so I mean, like it's very like I've got all these different things where people look at me and right away, boom, 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 and I have to like really understand how unsafe that can feel. 
and how terrifying they can feel to like to even think about going and being alone in a room with all these men with all older white cisgendered men um that is it it's just it's just not a safe and comfortable experience and so what it can do too many times is is those opportunities that they are gatekeeping I mean, it causes them to want to give those opportunities to the people that they view for whatever reasons. And if those, if they are, are, have colonized minds, then that excludes the majority of people right away. In fact, puts favor upon one demographic of individual, which is why we see so many other white cisgendered males getting success and getting more opportunities and all these things in the industry above women and people from marginalized communities. Um, and so what I think needs to happen is a, in a, is a transfer of power. I think that soon a lot of these positions need to be switched out but I feel like also my view on things and so what I'm kind of what I'm trying to do with Root Gang Entertainment is is take the indirect route because I feel like again it's that thing where I don't want to waste my energy marching into spaces and being like you know you guys are colonizers hey how about you stop acting like colonizers when that I don't have the time to help them unlearn their colonial ways and how re you know round table and panel until they've come to these new ideas which are probably still going to be highly insulting anyway um, I would rather spend my time and energy building myself up so that uh, they look over to their right one day and they find that Rude Gang Entertainment is rubbing shoulders with them and they go how the fuck did y'all get here and I go oh hey hi and then everybody who was going to them and their whole client list suddenly bloop 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 appears on my client list and they just bloop, 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 and they cease to exist. And that's my job. And that's how I, that's what I view my job um, in the world is to try to get in there and get, get people of color and get people from marginalized communities like in. And so I would like very much to see more women of color music executives I kind of tripped and fell into this role of music executive and have been executive producing albums for the last four years and um, it's very very fulfilling what I've heard of the industry I just feel like they there's like an aspect of treating people like a like commodities and not necessarily as as people like especially if artists um, are maybe connected to like a label or really in the industry they're kind of like owned by the by that industry or like and that's kind of like the entertainment industry as a whole which is like pretty inhumane if you think about it um and I feel like naturally these changes in the hip-hop industry are happening because I think because of technology and the internet and social media like many artists are just taking ownership of their own um success because of their own um skills talents and also access to internet they're fully capable of being like independent and famous. Whereas before it was really not possible to do that. So like a really good example of that is um, like Chance the Rapper. Like he's fully independent and has, um, I think even if not won a Grammy, has even like, it's been, at least been nominated for, for a Grammy. I think he won actually though a few years ago. So that's just like, that's never happened before. So these also these shifts are kind of naturally happening because of the the kind of, empowerment and ownership that just people are developing and kind of seeing the benefits of like being free <laughs> to me the music industry they just want to control you and everything you say and you do and you wear and you know they make your the music for you and a lot of their art artists um they won't um, do that and they won't change and they'll always stay true to themselves and then they don't have to actually go through the music industry but I feel like it doesn't matter what gender or what race you are um, BIPOC or not because if if they if they want you and they're what you're like you're what they're looking for then I think that's pretty much it right there Whirlybird just described her experiences with the music industry, and now T. Fanny discusses her experience with global TV and the level of censorship her music was subjected to. To go on to global, let me tell you, oh my gosh, it was, it was, um, 
Let me tell you. So the okay, so the first time I went on to the global Edmonton when me and Miss Benzo went, Miss Benzo and I, um, it was very difficult to get one of the videos played because <laughs> there's four videos. One of them is, is all about smoking weed. One of them is us twerking, right? <laughs> one of us is in lingerie. And then the other one is us robbing my mom's restaurant. <clears throat> and then the fifth one is that the King Cypher. And we just did like a lyric video for that one. Can't play any part of that. So I, I went back and I gave them um, the Kings, the original Kings video that we did in October. Um, and we still weren't allowed. I think they said they had to cut it off when we say Malcolm X, because that's in there. I think Miss Benzo sings that part. Malcolm X, he had enough. Back the, yeah, yeah. So that was like a whole thing. So then when I went on Global Calgary, I kind of had these things in mind. And I was like, okay, well, I don't really have anything for you guys to promo. So I gave them my Gimme That song because it has no swears and it's just me dancing around like whatever. But yeah, man, I, I learned a lot. I was like, it's it's difficult. It's so difficult to get on those things. And I very much felt like it was a, I'm an acceptable one. And so I'm allowed to be, you know? And so that's why I made sure to like shout everybody. I was like, hip hop has been in Alberta since I was a teenager. Like, I don't know where you guys have been at. Like, <laughs> it's, yeah, it was, it was pretty eye-opening and, uh, yeah, I think that if I went on any of those platforms again, I would like to go back when my name means enough that I can say whatever I want and do and show what I want. Yeah. But the clout is real. That hopefully, you know, people came, started coming out of the woodworks and stuff. And so that allowed for better networking for me. So everything happens, you know, for a reason. Women are not well represented at hip-hop events and are often largely outnumbered by males. Tiffany and Whirlybird discusses the challenges that they have encountered while performing as the only female rapper at a hip-hop show. It'll be one female to like five guys at a show. And like and maybe the female will probably be the first first or second person going on as opposed to being like the the, the main person. So for that venue and for that space, um, they always made me open. So um, basically when there was like nobody there, which was unfortunate because um, my sets were really hype. And like had they put me in like the middle of the show instead of like some other guys who like it's literally their first time being up there <laughs> might have like kept the crowd hype going for like the whole night and like kept the crowd engaged and things like that the representation of females in hip-hop is not is not there yet um i don't know if it'll ever get there locally i see it in the states right now and I know that we always follow the states after like 10, 15 years. So maybe. Um, but right now, it's just there's not as many females in general in hip hop. They they won't even put like my name on the poster or anything because um, they just don't appreciate the work that I do there. And even though I'm like pretty much running the show up there, you know, emceeing and DJing and opening and like keeping the night going and like you know, it's, um, yeah, they just didn't appreciate anything I would do. And they would like never put my name on any posters or like, give me any credit for anything I would do or just anything like that, even though I just got like all the support from the people there. And like, pretty sure they just, they didn't like it, you know, and they just, even though they wanted me to be there and work for them all the time. So that part, I couldn't really quite understand. But um eventually i just chose to leave that kind of place the representation needs to be more than just one it's like back in the day when there was like one black person in in a movie or one black person on a on a show for the whole night or the evening shows or whatever like they, you need more than just one we can't just have the exploitative things they say like they only want people there like that's a part of their group or whatever so i'm like well I I don't know like that's your thing like 
don't really, you know, understand, like, we're all hip-hop artists, we're all here on the island, like, but I'm pretty sure they just didn't want to recognize my talent and how, like, great I was at doing everything, so... Female hip-hop artists fighting for more stage time is just one of the many challenges that female hip-hop artists face. Mama Rootgal talks about one of the biggest problems that she feels like is impacting women's careers in hip-hop. For one, I want to talk about male interference in women's careers in hip-hop, and that's a huge freaking problem. It's going to be really hard for me to not swear sometimes. It's a huge problem. I think that um, a lot of female artists end up with male managers and male agents who let them know like hey look and because they're working with other men you know what I mean like so it's like that it's like that it's like that colonizer thing like if we want why would we want these these things or these opportunities for people of color to be handed out by colonizers how does that make sense so like then how are our female artists safe if if all of the gatekeepers are men who have these views of women, who have certain views of women, have problematic views of women, then how are we safe anywhere we go? And then how are that's impacting our career? Because of course now it becomes at a certain level competition. We have to compete with each other. And what's the easiest way to get mad views with your body? Um, so of course they're going to be pressured to do that. And and I'm not I'm not saying that all everybody across the board does that, but I'm just saying that that's male interference in women's careers in hip hop and in the industry in general is a huge problem. And it look at history, look at the history of of a lot of female artists going way back. A lot of their their style was forced to change, or at least at some point in time they were asked to change, or they were asked to do things that they in their videos that they would never have done themselves because this these men over here are like we're pretty sure this is going to be better for who because you think that a whole bunch of men are going to throw their money at this because they all have erections and that's like that's sad why are we why are we making more of that that's like not keeping us safe that's creating more. That's that's creating less safe spaces for us. So when there's male interference, that's the cause of that. Or when the male interference is the cause of that, I should say, that is a huge problem for me. I know for sure, because of my pussy, I get a lot of people that'll say I don't write my stuff, which like irks the hell out of me. Um, because if I was a dude, you would never just automatically assume that. Um, so that, yeah, that's, that, that's very hurtful. Cause I'll, I literally, yeah, especially at shows and stuff. And because my big brother who like, you know, I, I've, like I said, I've called him my big brother since I was 16. He's been doing music and hip hop and he's one of the best lyricists in Edmonton. So people kind of just really assume that he's writing my stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it'll be a whole back and forth conversation. And no matter what I say, th their minds just don't change. So I just, I don't bother. It's whatever. What am I going to do? Like, I ghostwrite for people in Alberta. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> do you want to see my notes? Like, I have, like, notepads and I have, like, notes on my phone. Like, do you want to see it? Oh, yeah. They probably just send it to you, though. Like, that's why it's on your phone. They send it to you. And I didn't have a notepad. And they're like, yeah, but, you know, he probably, you could just go over there and take his notepad and go home and practice it. And especially, too, like, when I write, I, I don't memorize my verses right away. Like, it takes me some time to, like, sit there and memorize it. And so... That was a huge thing, too. They're like, oh, clearly you don't write it. And I was like, you literally watched me sit here writing this verse live. And you're still going to tell me that somebody sent this to me while we were both sitting here. But let me read it. Okay. Um, okay. It's been, around, it's been a while since I've been around because I heard what you said about me. I wish I gave a fuck on my glow up. Now you don't get nothing for free. When I was growing up, I loved Menage. I was team Nikki. But since I started spitting shit, hitting different, I'm on team T. Fuck you mean. I manifested a team of my own. Homegrown and we taking that throne. Kicking knowledge from time spent alone. Know yourself well enough, boss bitch gold. Fuck the mold, what we're told. Take a hold of the mold and behold what we can and will unfold. Then branches are strong, I know you noted. Pen it down, it's profound. What's your real motive? When they yell and they give in hell, it's an angry black girl moment. But fuck all that, I know it's Jack. Most times we're goaded until we snap and then the cameras are back to recording. 
anyways, yeah, because the guy, like, <laughs> I was, like, snapping a little bit, you know, not knowing when to cut the conversation. And then he, like, took out his phone and, like, tried to take a video and stuff. And I was like, I'm not mad. Like, I don't get mad. I was just trying to explain something to you. And it's just like, yeah. So, yeah, it's cool. A lot of times what will happen at shows is I get attitude from the sound guy. And sometimes I have to like boss up on them. Like they'll try to get me to help set up because they are so annoyed that they have to do certain things to me or for me that are different than the band. So they'll say, well, if you want it that way, you have to come and help then. And I'm like, okay, like I just boss right up on them and get the manager of the venue will be like, yo, stop. You're pissing her off. Like, don't do this. And I'm like, yeah, get your dude. Like, and then I perform. And because I also sing soul, not just rap people, they change their tune super fast. They're like, Oh, that was, Oh, so, Oh my God. Do you need anything? What do you need? I threw some reverb on there for you. And you like the reverb. I'm like, I'm good. <laughs> go do you why just like I don't understand like you made yourself look so foolish by by acting like that and we had this whole thing and now lo and behold you actually really like my music now like right like what what a waste of all of our time has there been a female rapper that's come up without a male by her side like un unfortunately like and I mean like household name like Nicki Minaj, Foxy Brown, Lil Kim, Nicki Minaj, or, um, Cardi B, maybe Megan Thee Stallion, maybe, um, and maybe Young Ma. But other than that, I just, I, I, I do feel like it's so male dominated that even when the females become household names, it always is with the helping hand from a dude or like a stamp of approval in a way that's like, yo, by the way, this girl can actually spit, especially everybody's a rapper now. So it's like, you need that validation from a dude still, unfortunately. From racism to sexism, Miss Benzo, who's a hip hop artist based in Calgary, Alberta, joins the conversation and discusses the various stereotypes that she navigates as a female BIPOC hip hop artist. I definitely have been told that, you know, I shouldn't be in the hip hop industry because my skin is too light, even if I'm, you know, half black. My father's black. Um, I'm not dark enough to do certain things or I've been turned down for shows because I don't have dark enough skin. Um, I'm also I'm also too mixed for a lot of the white crowd. I've always dealt with that for sure. Um, mothers shouldn't be hip hop artists and they shouldn't be dressed the way that I'm dressed. I should not be embracing my sexuality. I'm basically a bad mother because of that. Um, even though I have my children for uh, full time, all four of them. And that's what I've always lived for is my children. Um, when I lost a dramatic amount of weight after uh, I went through my divorce, I, the story was that I was a drug addict. I've never touched a drug in my life. Um, I don't know everything else along the lines, you know, if I work with anybody in the industry, that's a male then I'm automatically sleeping with them. I've never done that. I'm in the relationship I was in and I was with uh, one other partner before that who was in the music industry and I had known them for 18 years. So, um, I definitely, I'm not one to sleep around, never had a one night stand in my life either, but that's again, that's their story for me and my story to tell. And I really don't care what people say about me anymore. You know, I don't have to prove myself as a person that just is going to allow me to beat myself up so they can sleep with that at night. Women's bodies are constantly sexualized in hip hop. Pega describes how this impacted her decision as a teenager to not pursue hip hop professionally. Maybe when I was in high school, I was like, well, I'm pretty good. Like, well, I could be I could be like I could be famous. <laughs> I was like, oh, but I would probably need to be more sexual like I was thinking that like well if I actually wanted to be famous I'd probably need to write about more sexual things or just like even provoke my myself my body even more which isn't my personality and just isn't my character um so then I was kind of like oh that sucks and I just remember writing maybe one song that was a little bit like more like hey like kind of just flirtatious or something but it just wasn't me because I just felt like I couldn't, I'd have to be more sexual and talk less about the real things I was passionate about. So I feel like that's, that makes it hard, um, which is, which isn't so fair. 
even little things like having to take pictures with all the performers at the shows and I have to be front and center and whatever, or like um, any a, a picture set up and, and I'm the female, so I have to be the one that's like turned around showing ass or whatever. And like, I played along, I'm, I was growing, I'm learning, but I'm at the point now where I'm like, if there's any type of stereotype, I'm not with it. So being a hip hop and R&B artist, uh, not only in Alberta, but just in the world in general, um, because you're, you're placed on a platform, you know, and the minute that you place yourself on that platform, you automatically have judgment. So you have to be very careful when, you know, when I decided to become a solo R&B and hip hop artist, I wanted to show the crowd that I wasn't just a face or just a body. Um, but still be able to embrace my sexuality as a mother because I feel like there's so many mothers and I know there's so many mothers out there that believe and feel like they can't, you know, love themselves enough, not they can't embrace their bodies, you know, and people look at me and they're like, wow, you've had four kids and you look like that. And I wish that I could look like that. And they don't know the underlying health issues that I have or the mental illness that I have because of how I look. The stereotypes are real, and I tried my best not to be, like, like, me and Miss Benzo both are both like, ah, don't put us in a box, don't put us in a box. We're huge on that. But, like, it wasn't until I met my stylist, and I was talking to my stylist, um, who's also Haiku, Anisha, um, she, I think I did, like, my first show or something, and one of the guys who's like, we're still friends, like, and I get what he was saying, but thankfully we're both virgos and we understood each other but how he said it was like you know your your music doesn't match how you look like you 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 look a certain way and we expect certain things and then it it's like this raw he's like you know you need to like show basically like show tits like i just need to like be more sexy because my music i was saying some ratchet shit in my music and so i was like yeah but i should be able to wear whatever i want like whatever and then when i met anisha she like showed me there's a way to do a style like it's more of a branding thing and I just really like my clothes were shit I get it I don't I get like I'm shitty at dressing myself I fucking hate it that's why I'm sitting here in a sheet right now guys hi <laughs> just could not do it today <laughs> right um but I don't know and then I it turned into this full thing and I ended up doing like boudoir shoots or whatever um but I really do feel the stereotypes. I created a whole different alter ego named Hershey T just so that I can be super sexy because I didn't want T Fanny to get famous off of ratchet shit. I didn't want that to be what popped me. I wanted my music to just be more than sexy. However, we all have a sexy side. Like we all have a freaky side. Like we all, I have, we all have different sides. So I just, I put it separate, but stereotypes are, 100% real. I'm still trying to find a way to flip it and use it to my advantage. Some may argue that femmes are well represented in hip hop, but often these artists are forced to sexualize themselves and are not genuinely representing themselves. T. Fanny just described the judgments that she faced from not sexualizing herself as a rapper. The stereotypes that exist in hip-hop can force femme hip-hop artists to feel like they need to sexualize themselves in order to succeed in the hip-hop industry. Mama Rootgal explains how femme artists are highly exploited in the hip-hop industry. Femmes in general are not very well represented. We're just highly exploited um, in hip-hop. And so you see a lot of femmes. (laughs) But we're not like being represented or being exploited majority of the time late less so these days so thank god for cardi b people people be so mad about cardi b i thank god for cardi b i can i don't have to feel like so tied down and to oh if i drop this album then i drop an album like a, with a completely different concept or that explores a different part of myself people are going to say i sold out or it changed or no i'm there's layers people have layers and and that's why it's so important to have genuine representation because it's like otherwise we get like these oh well we're supposed to be this one thing so as soon as we fall out of being that it's like huh what are you what are you doing what are you doing like you know I was told so many times early on in my career and I still get told every now and then but less so these days because my body type is becoming more popular but 
early on, especially when I first moved to Vancouver, people would say, oh, your music is so good. It's so good. Now, if you just lose that weight, now, if you just lose that weight, you're just, boop, you're just gonna, and I'm like, like, did you think you were complimenting me? Because that's not cute. Like, I'm not impressed by that. And I disagree. I'm going to stay thick now just to be petty. Just to be, just to show you how wrong you are and how foolish you are, and and so I also thank God for Lizzo right now too. That's that's I feel less less uh, less concerned about things. Um, whereas I feel like, I mean, it's been racking my brain my whole life and kind of really just an internal hell for me. This whole struggle over my body, and so I feel slightly less pressured these days but I also feel like I need to represent well and I I I so when I do work out and exercise I try to do it with the mentality that I'm not trying to like get this body that I find appealing or that is appealing to people for their viewing but like so that I can be strong because I want to be strong I want to be physically strong I have a child and I want to be able, like, if I, if she needs me to be strong enough, you know what I mean? Physically strong enough in moments, um, that it's necessary to be strong. And so, um, yeah. So just really trying to take a look at how I'm through my work, how I'm representing femmes, because yeah, on an underground level, I think that there are a lot, there's a lot more femme representation in hip hop. We have, um, Havaya Mighty who, I don't know. I feel like I, I, kind of feel more like Havaya sometimes I'm like half and half I feel I feel I feel very masculine um a lot of the times and you know what I mean like that makes it makes me that still makes me insecure so I feel like there's still like a lot of representation that needs to happen in the industry and just opening it up and more genuine representation. So we can we can represent our own narratives and speak our own narratives. So we can just be ourselves and not have to worry about upholding these like expectations that people ex- people want to see us as female rappers do or say or not do or not say. And we can just live <laughs> and write songs. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like. I feel like we're being used. <laughs> Is that weird? Like, so there's there's maybe a handful of uh, BIPOC and LGBTQ artists in hip hop. Um, and I find that like when people find those like those ones, they kind of feel like they can knock off like two, three check marks in one person. And so I see them like, you know, they'll be like, oh, yeah, we have this artist coming, da, da, da. But like everybody on your panel or everybody that owns the business is like all white males. And then like everybody, everybody that's getting paid off of the event or whatever is like all people that are not supporting the movement. But you're using these faces to pull fans in. There's very few actual companies that are LGBTQ and BIPOC powered. So... And then, though, of course, those ones are like stacked. Yeah, like rep- representation. And then those ones are stacked. Like, like companies like Pink Flamingo, when they have events, they're stacked with only pretty much LG- LGBTQ and BIPOC artists, just to kind of balance out the fact that these other places have will have like one person, and even everybody else performing is like, I don't know, like a, a white person rapping or something. And then, but because you have like one representation, you feel like it's okay. Mama Root Gal speaks about the blatant sexism that she has experienced from men who refuse to acknowledge her existence as a founding member of Root Gain Entertainment. I mean, one thing that I I come by a lot is that, so like I run Root Gain Entertainment um, and I'm the founder. My partner is the co-founder because he joined in the early stages in the very early stages but originally it was created by me myself out of a state of necessity because my daughter and I were starving and surviving off of oatmeal for like about a week she was only three years old it was really sad and I was like this is not happening Um, and so you know I made some stuff happen and people will assume very easily that he's in charge 
He's in charge. They'll walk right up to him, start laying questions on him. And, and after, even if I like, there've been times when I do a set, I'll do like a whole 30 minute set, bring him up for one song, get off stage. People, men, this is all men. (laughs) Women don't do this. (laughs) Men will go straight to him, assuming he's, and for, I don't know. I'm like, what? That was my set debrief on the set, but with him giving suggestions, I think you guys should have done this and you guys should, uh, you know, be like looking at each other. Like you want to have sex maybe. And like, you know, and I'm like, can you get all the way the fuck out of my face? Like, can you like get away from me, get out of my ear? Like, don't. Um, and so it's fun for me because he's always like, she's in charge. Like, don't talk to me. Go ask her. And they're like, oh. And like, I'm like, hi. Yeah, that's me. I'm standing here being ignored. But okay, now you're going to ask me for help. Okay, so go ahead and ask me for some fucking help. It's, it's yeah. So the thing the, the thing that I struggle with the most still is is being the only woman in the room majority of the time. And even though I'm the one in charge majority of the time, I get ignored. I get spoken over. I'll speak and people don't acknowledge that I've said anything. Um, I'll be telling a story. Somebody else will come in, barge in with their story. Now everybody's listening to them. I'm, I don't exist. So I'm constantly up against this whole, like, I still don't exist, but I'm paying everybody to be here. I've got the, the schedule. I've made the schedule. I, I organized for all of us to be here and I, I'm the one in charge, like a hundred percent, but people will stop the males in the room will all still completely speak over me, talk over me, like interrupt and not, not a single time will everybody, anybody be like, yo, Hey, ho, ho. She was talking. Why would you do that? She's talking. Never, ever. That's never, ever happened. Never. So I just, at this point I give up. I'm like, okay, I'm not, I'm just shut up. And I'm going to take note of who I'm hiring next time and who I'm not hiring next time because I don't care anymore. And I'm not going to waste my energy being like, oh, you need to do this and you should change and this is how you hurt me. Listen, bye. (laughs) Bye. Like, I'm not going to call you anymore. I'm going to get another project, grant, budget, whatever, hired from them to do this. We get this budget. I'm not calling you. I'm going to call somebody else who respects me, who I don't have to ask for respect. They're just going to do it. And if they don't, then I won't call them either. <laughs> like, it's pretty simple. I don't have time anymore. The representation of BIPOC women in Canadian music is nowhere near the representation that it needs to be. But BIPOC women in Canada are creating the changes that they want to see. I want to give a huge thank you to the artists who were featured today on this episode of Full Circle. Please follow them online. Find Mama Rude Gal online. Um, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Mama Rude Gyal. That's G-Y-A-L. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm the only Mama Rude Gal. So you, if you type that in pretty much any old place, you'll find me. Um, if I'm on the website, I'll be there. So type that in, you'll find me. Um, and for Rude Gang Entertainment, you can find us at www.rudegangent.com and online everywhere at Rude Gang ENT. Um, so that's Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter as well. And yeah, keep, keep your eyes peeled. We're working on some cool stuff with Music BC right now and Constellations Music Festival. And that's going to be coming out um, in the next few weeks anyway. So stay tuned. Everyone can check out Whirly Bird and or Whirly Bird Records on like Spotify, iTunes, Instagram, um, SoundCloud, YouTube. I got working on tons of music videos. Um, We got a music video called You Better Know. And then I got one called Relax. Also uh, walking around in the ancient old growth. Um, There's like tons of songs on on my youtube and just all major streaming platforms really so if you go hit that all up you can find me on on all of that oh yeah the dedication track um octave six and i made a track called never falling down and yeah we actually dedicated it to the old growth down in fairy creek here on um the pashtat and diddy dad lands and then it was really cool at the time it came out because um 
at the time it was made, I wasn't really sure that it was going to be for it, but it ended up becoming for it. So I'm really glad that we decided that in the end. And yeah, it means a lot to me. And it's all it's out now on all major streaming platforms now. So T-E-A-F-A-N-N-I-E. 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 N-N-I-E. All right. So you can find me. Um, as soon as you get the melody down of how to spell my name, then you can find me really easily on Instagram. I am T Fanny. That's I A M T Fanny. T E A F A N N I E. T E A F A N N I E. T E A F A N N I E. N N I E. N N I E. Okay, that's so that's tfannymusic.com. Um, we got Twitter. T Fanny. We got. If, if okay if you're a freak you can follow Hershey T on Twitter so I have this project coming out it's called the collab uh, it's with an artist called Z-Wave from Edmonton and him and I collaborated and did seven tracks together and I'm so excited because it, it's more of a trap vibe so you know still still hip-hop but you know trying to do a little different different lanes right now so I want to just show people, hey, I can still spit. <laughs> I am Miss Benzo. <laughs> um, that's on all platforms. My mediumship page is uh, www.beyondtheflatline.com. Um, I'm at the low-key medium on most platforms as well. If anybody is uh, interested in hearing my story, my documentary is on YouTube, uh, Miss Benzo. I am Miss Benzo on YouTube. And my next projects are going to be on all platforms as usual. I hope this episode inspires you to create. Thank you for listening to this episode of Full Circle. It was produced by Melanie Lum with the support of Coco Nielsen and Glenn Swarnot Hipathy. Pineapple Express is a locally owned licensed cannabis retailer with a wide variety of products. Open seven days a week, they offer everything from edibles and beverages to vapes and pre-rolls. See their online menu for a full list of products. Visit them in person at 608 Esquimalt Road or find them online at shop.pineapplevictoria.ca.